0: an insight into marcus hamel's very personal story of his one month radical kundalini awakening welcome to the vital veda show i am your host dylan smith i'm an auretic practitioner and holistic health educator who explores various fields of consciousness of spirituality of health of medicine on this podcast, the Vital Beta Podcast. And in my clinic I've seen a handful, a minority, but a handful of people who are undergoing quote unquote radical Kundalini awakenings. And I've decided to create this series of people's personal stories of their Kundalini awakening experiences in this podcast episode and intertwining it throughout the vital beta podcast you'll see various stories starting to pop up this is the first personal share and quite a significant incredible story you are about to hear from marcus hamill the first time he shared this uh, and it's very personal and it's beyond it's it's going to be it's going to make you feel something in your heart i'll leave that to you but what is Kundalini? First of all, it's a dormant energetic force in the human organism with a potential to blossom into creative intelligence, to awaken super mental capabilities, but also can manifest as a very dark, intense energy and experience. It can manifest into so many things, this, this energy, this dormant energy, which is in everyone. So I've done a whole podcast on Kundalini. Previously, you can you can check that out as an introduction to these series of people's personal shares and get to know this energy of Kundalini more. But Marcus Hamill, he's a friend of mine, he runs Sattva Life or The Sattva Life, which is a him and his partner teach meditation and teach yoga and Kriya and various yoga Vedantic sciences and wisdom in based in the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia, but have an online community and a wonderful Instagram page, The Sattva Life um check check them out. They're awesome and, and get to know him. He's also a father of two as we speak about. He loves surfing. He's a hardcore surfer. And he's just classical Northern Australian or northern New South Wales, northern Sydney, sorry. Beach boy. And this is the point of this podcast is interviewing people from all walks of life, from quote unquote ordinary people, having these remarkable experiences. And with Marcus, although he does teach yoga and practices it, it came spontaneously while on a vacation, really, doing the least amount of yoga he's ever done. So we're going to get into that. Once again, I do recommend to refer back, perhaps first, if you're not so familiar with Kundalini, uh, and even if you are, to get my overview and my understanding of Kundalini, as well as some people's experiences I've shared in that initial, initial podcast episode. So let me know what you think. The point of this series is to make Kundalini more normal, to make these radical experiences more accepted because if not what happens is people consider these people as mad or crazy or psychotic when they're going through or experiencing that kundalini in a radical way especially when it's expressing itself as a dark intense energy and even if it's a beautiful blissful ecstatic energy uh, from the outside People who aren't familiar with this can still look at these people who are experiencing this and think they're experiencing a psychotic episode. So it's really just a spiritual energetic force which is manifesting for a variety of reasons. But again, to learn more about that, check out the first episode that I recorded on Kundalini. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Much love. Hi, Marcus. Tell us about yourself.
1: Hi, Dylan. <laughs> My name is Marcus Hummel. I'm a 53 year old father of two. My eldest just turned 18. Um, I used to work as a, in the film industry actually as a film director, uh, commercial director primarily. And around about 10 or 12 years ago, I started teaching meditation. And then, um, you know, that's grown over the years. And now I teach really the whole system of sattva yoga, so meditation, breath work, Kriya.
0: Beautiful. And you're doing that pretty f- basically full-time with your wife?
1: It's so been it's full-time time for quite a number of years now. So it started mm-hmm. off teaching meditation part-time um, mm-hmm. while I was still directing and then my wife and I have been running the sattva life for quite a number of years now and it's very much full-time.
0: Great. And so you had a quote-unquote kundalini experience, was it last year? What are we? 2023 was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. And it went on for a reasonable amount of time. So tell us about your story.
1: Yeah, so strange paths to Kundalini awakening. I mean, I've been doing practice, this sort of practice for a long time. And I guess uh, originally beginning with meditation, but then really deepening into the yogic practices with a lot of breath and Kriya work as well. But actually it started on a plane on the way home from the Maldives after a tropical holiday of surfing and I would say largely doing the least amount of practice that I'd done in recent years. Fascinating. I mean, I was, I was meditating, keeping up my meditation practice and that was pretty much it. We were living the tropical holiday, surfing every day, hanging out in the sun, swimming and I was on my way home. I was really tired. I was on the plane. I was watching a really bad movie. I wasn't meditating. I, I had meditated on the plan. I don't remember the movie I was watching, but I remember that partway through it, I started having a full, a full-on kind of eyes-open spiritual experience. That it felt like a an out-of-body experience, and interestingly, it came with a lot of darkness. It came. It didn't feel euphoric, like like I'd associated previous kind of experiences like that with it felt really kind of dark and frightening. And I was on this plane and I could not get out of that state and so I was um, eyes open, eyes closed, meditating, not meditating, made no difference. So whole flight pretty much from Maldives to Singapore and then walking around that airport was Mm. a very strange experience. I felt um, there's that Niles Barkley song where the lyrics say... um, even my emotions had an echo in so much space that's mm. what it felt like it felt like all my thoughts all my emotions and things were so i was so deep inside self and it was all this kind of echoey space and i was trying to deal with my daughters and airports and all these things are oh, they with you they with me mm. yeah and trying to like kind of navigate all that and mm-hmm. trying to snap myself out of it and i mm-hmm. couldn't get out of it
0: mm. and then when you got the next flight was it I actually
1: ended up falling asleep um, just before the next flight. And after sleep, I kind of came back feeling a lot more stable and I slept quite a bit on the next flight. Got home that day and just sort of thought, oh, that was an interesting experience. And I put it aside and I got on with my day. And then that night going to bed, um, it came back again and it came on really strongly and with a lot of fear and a lot of resistance Mm. and I remember kind of launching up out of bed trying to snap myself out of it and there was just yeah I couldn't get out of it I was fully in it um so Cass Cass was with me and she was she was trying to calm me down I was pretty much in a full panic attack actually Mm. to be honest I was feeling a lot of fear Mm. um I ended up from memory I think I was up all night that night Put too much energy to sleep. I I wasn't, at this stage, I wasn't putting it down to being a kundalini experience Mm. because it was actually, uh, this is an interesting part of it, it was much more of a consciousness experience than anything I could feel in the body. Mm. I'd had kundalini experiences, you know, various subtle forms of them through practice where the body was shaking and energy was moving, but this very much felt like a consciousness experience. And the fear was really related to resistance, which we can talk more about, but it was that was very much I could feel myself going into a space that felt like a void and there was mm. a, a lot of resistance to it. And
0: when you say consciousness-based, you mean your body felt kind of fine, like although your body was panicking, it was really a kind of mental conscious mm. experience. It was panicking over. in yeah.
1: response to a consciousness yeah. experience. Right. great. Uh, there would have been definitely a heightened energy for sure that was coming with that, but it wasn't moving through my body in a way that felt yes. like destabilizing or anything like that. It was very much a mental
0: state. And one of my questions is because we're just beginning this story, like there's much more to it. But in, you mentioned the past kundalini quote unquote experiences. I mean, were you one of those people in the past too? And you would know, as you teach a lot of people meditation and yoga, some people have a lot of quote unquote kundalini experiences, not to the extent that you're explaining your story, but whether it's feeling energy in the spine or feeling the chakras tingle or having visions or dreams even. For someone who does lucid dreaming, there's very specific Mm. people who are more prone to that. Uh, I I can see it all the time in my clinic. uh, And some people just kind of more mundane. They're just like, yeah, I I like my practice, but I don't like I'm not that kind of in the air space Mm. feeling all these fairies and stuff
1: so yes i was not one of those people okay. who feel that. so my experiences and i used to laugh a lot at because cat mm. my wife cast yes. was very much like that she's had some huge kundalini experiences i've seen her have
0: one yeah <laughs> retreat <Aaron laughs> emily retreat she was eyes up um you know eyes up to third eye why but like shaking and like so into it like and it wasn't even while well ever it was kind of like she kept going after like it finished and she was I'm just like wow she's really and she's going at it fully
1: <laughs> yeah and so that happens right i remember the first time i went with our dear friend Briar to uh, when i went to india the second time to study with anandji and she said to me sometime before the first you know we just arrived there she's like i'm just really scared that nothing's going to happen for me like that it, and literally, the first journey, I'm sitting next to her, and I just feel something. I look over, and it's like arms in the air. I had full <laughs> Kundalini experience. Mm. And for me, I used to joke because my Kundalini experience—we don't have a camera on—but it was literally, I'd say it was like a, like a, a really solid tree mm. moving in a like three knot breeze. <laughs> I could feel mm. it, but my body would just move Very in nice. the most way of ways.
0: So these Kundalini experiences, which we're talking about just now which Brian your friend felt and your wife Cassie feels in the tree in the spine that's kind of yeah, a a subtle kundalini experience which probably is gonna last uh, a few minutes 10 minutes half an hour one hour usually not more once the practice is over kind of the person is still feeling in their body able to stabilize but what this podcast episode is about is about it's hard to put names to this but we can say I don't know kundalini awakenings where Mm. So this is so you've had it for one day, then it came another day. So let's continue. It went
1: on for roughly a month and a half, I okay. think, from memory. And so it felt longer for me. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like it was actually a lot longer. But the the peak part okay. of it and before mm-hmm. it started to stabilise was around about a month and a half, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I'd have to go back and really yeah. examine okay. it. But whatever, That's it doesn't fine. matter. Time that was one of the things about it that time was. I mean, time is relative. Mm. I've always known that, but when you have these experiences, I mean, I was having moments where Cass would go down to the down the road to drop the girls to school and come back, and I'd feel like she'd gone for a year. Mm. Like it was super strange. Time wow. was super distorted. Wow, wow. Um, if I if I had to kind of try to summarize it into one idea, and I've I've heard this expression before in different translations of of sutras and things, it was literally the, for me, it was the terror, and the bliss of awakening to one's soul. Mm. And yeah. I always thought that awakening would just be bliss, but you know, I think it was Ram Dass, Someone said that the um, that uh, that enlightenment is the ultimate disappointment of the ego, mm. and I think that for me, it was more like the ultimate fear. Mm. Wow. Um, not to say, not to you know, claim enlightenment, but that that, that experience of awakening, mm. of going through these awakening processes, yeah. was the ultimate experience of fear to the ego. But yeah. I did at the time what it really—it f- felt like I was kind of walking this very thin line of sanity. Mm. That was my deepest fear: yes. that that when I surrendered into the experiences that in the beginning were primarily consciousness-based and they changed actually, which I'll talk about, but that as I surrendered, there was no ground. There was literally no ground to land on. So as I'd go deeper and deeper into these unity experiences, it started to feel like I wouldn't be able to find my way back Mm. and that would create, at least in me, immense fear, Mm. immense fear so I could be I could actually be in bliss states because I said at the start though there are experiences of fear but that started changing really quickly in the mm. early days so the initial fear would then something would shift and I'd go into like unbelievable bliss mm. which you know from the outside and even as I say it I'm aware that it can sound like literally like bipolar mm. I mean feelings of like yeah. I am fully awake and fully enlightened to feelings of total terror and the swinging between that it's pretty extreme poles mm. and I f- there were certainly times where i i really did fear for my sanity but the thing was that no one around me was scared for that mm. and i was I, super blessed to be held in that space by cast by you by anunji and all these key people that really made me understand or maybe trust in what i actually knew mm. because i did know i know i knew that wasn't happening but then you'd have times of paranoia i think partly due to lack of sleep as well because when the kundalini was going sometimes i was going days without eating and days without sleep so that could go bliss 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 and then and eventually you just kind of go oh shit like I'm and just, literally
0: like right you I'm talking you, literally. you said like you don't. I remember speaking to you. Said, I, I literally don't think I fell asleep last night. Like, didn't get I, one minute of sleep. I was sleep. having
1: multiple days of that at times. Yeah. Multiple days, and no
0: again. eating at all.
1: I couldn't eat. Yeah, I could not um, stomach anything. Mm. For this was in the peak bits yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: And um, I I I don't want to speak. I don't want to say the word we, but for I and kind of what I'm, people I know, we've never taught to kind of face terror so I understand like you want to hold on to the sanity or you want to hold on to the light Mm. is it is that is that what's is it good to do that or when you're feeling that terror like what's the approach is it to fully go into that darkness
1: I feel there's no way through no way out but through okay and that was the problem because it takes a lot of courage to do that and part of my story (laughs) is that I was actually really forced to do it and because what happened was um cas had reached out to you and this was maybe a few weeks in or a couple of weeks in she'd reached out to you for guidance and help and um, of course one of the first things you had me doing before we actually got on on the zoom with dr arju was um abhyanga and i started doing that and that was grounding me and use oil was, massage yeah and yes. i was having i was doing that you know very mm. very regularly and each day, twice a day and kind of really grounding into my body and I was having, um, I think at that point the experience was moving more into bliss, more into bliss, but then the nights would come in terror, actually, the, the, they said a dark night of yeah. the soul and there was a lot of that in it. So I'd be, everything would be beautiful, everything would be beautiful and then all of a sudden something, and it, that energy, that darkness that I hadn't really lent into, hadn't really faced would creep up and then I'd be fully in it. And so anyway, one morning, not long after I'd, I think Kaz had spoken to you, it might have been a couple of days later, and I was I'd, um, I'd been upstairs in my house and I'd done RV I'd get under and I'd come down into our studio, which was down under our house, it's like a stepladder down into our studio, and I got to the bottom, and I' had this horrendous cough from COVID that I hadn't been able to shake for like three mm. months, and it's been coughing, 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 and i I was naked, <laughs> but naked. Still covered in oil, I hadn't showered yet. I went to bend over and um, mm. pick up some clothes, and I coughed and I completely blew my disc out in my lower back. Mm. And it was such a it was such a powerful moment because I the pain was one thing and it was excruciating, but I actually knew instantly the ramifications of it. I was in a studio mm-hmm. underneath the house that i could not get out of mm. i couldn't i knew i wasn't i was fully seized up i knew the most i was going to be able to do was get to the bed then there's a really steep staircase up with a trapdoor that i wouldn't be i don't get out or out sort of across kind of uneven ground and up a staircase to the house so I, I just suddenly realized i'm in a space where and every single crutch that i'd been using to distract from the experience so I was no longer meditating. And when I, I had spoken to a nunji at this time and he told me to drop all meditation practice, he said, you're already in the experience. It's not helpful. Um, but I was doing asana. I was doing, you know, shaking my body, trying to move energy. I was going for walks in the sun and doing all these things that ultimately, yes, they're a practice, but they, our practice can also become a crutch, you know, yeah. and they were a distraction from the actual practice mm. of the experience that I was in. And I, I think I kind of screamed out in pain and I started crying. I was bawling and I was calling out mm-hmm. to Kaz. I'm like, no, no. But it wasn't the pain. It was yeah. what I knew I had to do. Mm-hmm. So she came downstairs and and she said to me, you know, what do you want me to do? And I was like, you just get me in the bed? And she's like, want me to stay? And I said, no, I think you've got to go, mm-hmm. which was a massive step for me because in the subsequent or the previous weeks, she'd really not left my side. I couldn't handle... The experience without her, and she was doing everything. She'd already been doing a lot of oil massage for me, and she was holding my, massaging my feet, massaging my head, and doing all this intuitive energy healing mm. that was really grounding me. And and she just had this incredible way of trusting what was going on. And and mm. the one one thing I haven't said is I was so unbelievably sensitive to everyone's energy that I knew if some like instantly if someone was saying something they didn't believe mm. so I knew I could trust her fully that way mm-hmm. and so that was the way she was seeing seeing me she would say to me you're frightened I have no fear at all this is a really beautiful experience that you're in and so that would change me mm. but for me to tell her to leave me alone and stay in that space alone was a huge step and I lay down in that bed in incredible fear and in answer to your question i realized that there was nowhere else to go but into the fear and the most remarkable thing happened which wasn't the end of the story it was kind of the beginning of it but i started feeling the darkness come on in its full value and i lent in and it's the first time i'd ever Mm. lent in And I went through it really quickly and I within mm. an instant I was in bliss. Mm. Unbelievable, Liverpool. unbelievable love, unbelievable bliss. And I'd already identified the energy as being that that energy of Kalima, that energy of of you know, the destruction of ignorance, the destruction of all that's not true. Mm. And I felt the other expression of that energy, which is just the pure, fierce love of Divine mm. Mother. Mm. And it, was mind-blowing in its scope. It's not something I can describe. It's not words yeah. I can describe. But it was early in the morning, and as that happened, the sun had, like, just happened to hit our window for the first time that morning. The whole light changed in the room, and I was just laying there. I had tears mm. pouring down my face, just these tears of grace, and I thought, this is it. I mean, <laughs> pure... I'm fully enlightened. (laughs) This is it. It's finally happened. I can't believe it's happened to me. And the whole day was spent like that, right? And the funny thing was the pain, excruciating back pain, was so distant as were my thoughts and my emotions. I was so much back in that seat of self that, yes, I was aware there was pain, but it was not me at all. And I knew I had to move mindfully but I could get up and move around Mm. a little bit. And I wasn't going to try and get up the stairs, but I was like, I'm fine. This is, this pain is nothing. And then Mm. that night I laid down in bed and the whole thing changed. And this is basically the theme of the next month. Like the pain started coming really to the forefront. We actually had painkillers in our house from another accident I'd had years before, like strong kind of like opioid type Mm. ones. We had Panadols, we had all that stuff. I wasn't going to take, there's no way I was willing to take anything. I just wasn't, I couldn't imagine what that would do to me. Mm. And so I just sat in the pain and that, and that pain brought on the terror again and I went into literally the darkest night I've ever had. And that was probably when I said to you that I literally had no sleep mm. at all. Um,
0: so was that again that same dark kind of experience? Yes. And was it, were you fully going into it again when, when it showed up again?
1: Yeah, I couldn't lean into it. It was too you couldn't much. Lean into it. I couldn't lean into it the way okay. I did before that mm-hmm. time and the pain. I couldn't lean into the pain. Mm-hmm. So I actually went into very dark ego stories, mm-hmm. really dark, fear based ego stories, trauma stories, all, um, but not really kind of with a lot of clarity around mm-hmm. it, just all victim state stuff, really mm-hmm. like useless kind of thoughts, but dark, dark, mm-hmm. dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, th- and real fears around sanity that night.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us more about those. That those questionings was that was that a lot or did, were you so okay I'll I'll start again go back another question is so this one and a half months to said two months or more ish were you like you weren't in this twenty four seven right you were having I, breaks well I was like,
1: in it twenty four seven it's just for it like would, an, it was literally it would shift it, from
0: intensity like
1: full awakened bliss yes to. Um, darkness and really nothing in between there was no, no so, yeah, there's no
0: quote unquote sober no,
1: there was no waking there was state. no kind of normal okay interesting state wow
0: for like one and a half months yeah wow
1: um like it, i equated it to being you know you, um, for like plant medicine journeys and things where people are in these states for you know six hours or whatever but in those states people know that they've taken something and they know that they're coming well you presume that you're yeah. coming out of it but for me, I think that was a lot of the fear because mm. nothing was induced. Mm. I wasn't even doing practice. Yeah, it was just happening. Um, there was moments. It's not to say that I couldn't function because yeah. at times I was actually when I was in my bliss. Mm. I mean, I was just the time with my children and stuff was mm. unbelievable. You mm. know, like I could feel all their emotions. I could change. My my um, reactions to things so mm. subtly to adjust what was going on, I was mm. super tuned in, more tuned in than I've ever been. Mm. I, I was in so much joy being around them and I could, I tried to drive the car a couple of times. That was not a good idea actually because mm. a couple of, like on one way back from horse riding that one of my daughters does, I went into that state again and I I, don't, I managed to get home. I said, because I know I cannot drive anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is all prior to doing my back. And then once the back, once I'd done my back, I was really down there for, A couple of weeks just had Mm. to be in that kind of cave, Mm. which was, Mm. it was actually such a blessing to make, to force me into leaning into it. But also, one of the realizations I had is that a lot of my fear was around controlling. It was all about controlling, actually. But in this instance, the control was around what am I going to say to my students? We're about to graduate a teacher training crew and about to start a new one. It's like, what am I meant to say to them? I didn't want to instill fear in anyone but what do you say? Mm. And then my parents who don't even really, un, you know, wouldn't understand that at all would literally probably want to put me in a mental hospital and then my brother who might be the same. And, and so all these people, I, I could, I'd had all these like people mm. in my mind it was like I was trying to control what yeah. they would all think which is, you know, the definition of insanity anyway. And not um, being in the present. Mind and not also. being in the present. Yeah. And um, it became such a gift in the sense that I could, I suddenly said, I don't need to lie to anyone. I don't need to do anything. Cass can just say or I can just say my back's not good mm. and I'm laying down. So I was able to really check out a life and give myself space. That's great. So a lot of the problem was trying trying to bring myself out in time mm. for the next meeting. Mm. or the, I was meant to teach a course that weekend or I had a student to talk to about the upcoming teacher training and these deadlines and time pressures were beyond anything I could handle and so eventually Cass... Intuitively, just decided that that all should be cleared. That whole there was nothing in the future diary, and that I would just be in this room,
0: and surrendered to the and surrender to the experience, and mm. allow
1: myself to move through it.
0: Yeah. How? Tell us more about questioning your sanity. Did that happen a lot?
1: It happened a lot. It um, it happened mainly in the dark. deep dark nights. You know, two a.m., three a.m., with no sleep. And with a lot of energy moving. Um and you, it kind of, there's a backstory to that because actually the the same energy something I didn't say and hadn't shared with you previously, the same energy was an energy that first got me to meditation. And I've experienced it multiple times in my life, like three or four other times in my life, at really interesting stages in my life, which all ended up linking up and making a lot of sense. The dark um, energy? Yeah. This this um Expanding beyond my ego self, mm-hmm. having basically spontaneous um, experiences of self of soul, but without context previously, without spiritual context. This was the first time. The, the time before it led me to meditation. This time was the first time it had happened with a mm-hmm. you know a deep context of yoga vedantic wisdom and knowledge, mm-hmm. and yet there was still part of me that was was really scared and. We don't have a context in our culture for these experiences. Mm. And this is why I think, you know, I think it was David Hawkins says that, you know, if you're deep in practice, you should always have a buddy, almost Mm. like scuba diving, someone that can hold space for that experience happening because it's possible, right? It's not like, it's not a very usual thing. It's not like I've had a heap of my students go through things like this. They might've in different ways. Um, Certainly I haven't met any of my students that where it was as intense as what I went through. But it's an incredible when there's support and people that know what's going on yeah. because you are really fragile. Well, I, sorry, I shouldn't say you are. I was really fragile mm. in that state. And if someone questioned my sanity, I would have believed them. Mm. But when I had a nunji telling me it's a really beautiful experience that you're going through and um, telling me about when it happened to him and to other people, when I had you talk to Cass and, and validate what was going on and then... Um, yeah, you know, particularly our zoom call with dr raju because i don't know if you remember do you remember that call well
0: yeah a um
1: bit. i remember he you were trying to get me we needed my eyes lit well enough that <laughs> <and> he could <laughs> see me right and he was going to hear me go and we we're trying to set all that up and he suddenly popped on without me realizing and i said i said is that okay and he said it's very good and then it, it, like the first thing he said to me he says um he asked me something, and he said, "You're in bliss consciousness. What seems to be the problem?" Yes, yes. and say, so, uh, and I actually came out of that Zoom call incredibly healed. Mm. It wasn't the end of the back and forth, but it was a huge mm. shift in that. Yeah. Um, so the questioning, I never truly believed it. There was never. I, I ne- mm. at the deepest level i never thought that was going on what i read the more you know what it was so it was so paranoid actually mm. like in my most darkest states was par- so paranoid i would start thinking like if Cass was talking to ananji or someone at sattva i'd start thinking what if they are saying what if they're questioning my sanity and they're saying i should but i need to like they're not right they're wrong i'm having mm. this experience and then i'd be like oh, man, I'm like in such a paranoid loop, mm. you know, and I'd, I'd be able mm-hmm. to bring myself out mm. of it, but I could mm. go down those paths. Mm. It makes a lot of sense with the energy that's going, but also the lack of sleep. I mean, it's yeah. enough to make anyone 100%. feel like that. You yeah. get four, three or four nights in a row where you really haven't slept for a moment.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: In, the, in your previous experiences before learning to meditate, the dark experiences, was it? how does it compare in intensity to this one?
1: I see that I never surrendered into them enough. The first one, the 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 main one, and they all, they all have a really similar flavour, so I'll just share the main one, which was literally the catalyst for me to learn to meditate. I was going to sleep right at that transition between waking state and sleep. I woke up just with a jolt of energy, and I was in a full out-of-body, like a deep spiritual experience again where I felt like all my thoughts feelings emotions had like an echo and I it was so it's just such a profound experience to have with no context that it literally within a moment sent me into a full panic attack Mm. but the panic attack because panic attacks can actually cause a similar feeling to that panic attacks can create a kind of out of body type feeling Mm. but this was an out of body body feeling that triggered a panic attack Mm -hmm. And then when I started meditating, I started having the same experiences. And sometimes it would trigger a panic attack in my Mm -hmm. meditation. Mm -hmm. But within that context, I was able to stay and it would release. And I'd realize that I was, you know, my body was just kind of stabilizing from those previous previous experiences and really ultimately kind of releasing that energy of -hmm. of, um, anxiety that was still within the nervous system and that kind of bio memory. Um, But it was a very very familiar state. The thing is when it came on on the plane, because of my breath experience and practices, I was able to go into it without any panic, even though a panic attack felt like it was coming on. Mm. I just slowed my breathing down on it. Mm. I just went into the state.
0: You have more mastery. Um,
1: And it may not have contained so much fear if I wasn't on a plane because it was a very strange contradiction that I felt claustrophobic Mm. and yet I was like totally beyond... My body in the plane, but I felt trapped on that mm. plane. I wasn't in a safe space to have an experience like mm-hmm. that.
0: Great. Um, so, yeah, let's continue the story. Anything
1: else? Yeah, there's some really important things because I'm really talking about a lot of the fear. But what happened is somewhere along the line, and it was actually leading into that initial disc injury. I think it might have played a part in it. The I said that the Kundalini experience was consciousness based and i wasn't even really calling it a kundalini experience at that point i mean it doesn't really matter what you call it it was mm. an experience but i was it was a consciousness experience but then something started shifting and what was happening at um, particularly at night but it could happen at any time in the day as i would go into spontaneous what i'd considered to be more um the expression of kundalini that i'd see that i'd witnessed before which was you know a lot of energy shaking through the body and um At times it was really full on. I mean, like I was bouncing, like laying on my back and bouncing like a foot Mm. off the bed and like Mm. full shaking spasms. It felt incredible. Like even though it probably looked really frightening, it felt like a huge mm. release of stuff that had been kind of building up in the consciousness mm. state and then it would just rush through me and I was, it would feel so incredible.
0: Kind of looking like an exorcism. Looking like an exorcism. and,
1: like, and then Or and like I, a
0: bloody, what do you, when, you, when you put the uh, uh, AED, when you kind of shock someone's heart to wake them up yeah, and then j- jump like and yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah,
1: but going for like sometimes yeah. like half an hour or wow. something. And then I remember one night Cass and I just laughing so much because I <laughs> stopped after one of them and I said to her, I look like a cockroach that's <laughs> just had one of those baits, you know, and they're on the floor. And, just, <laughs> and then I started, and as soon as I started uh, laughing, so I went again funny. and I was back in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, once that energy started and that was c- continued on and then I did my disc in my back and then subsequently I kind of, at some point I managed to get out of my studio and get upstairs, which was unbelievable in terms of just, seeing some space and being mm. able to get outside and things and sit in the sun and I started feeling a lot better and um, and that and then it was kind of oscillating with the the shaking energy and then these kind of really grounded expanded states. And I would say that primarily I just stabilized into this state of bliss and I was I couldn't believe it like I can't I still can't even, go even close to describing what I was feeling but I was just thinking oh, I'm in just this unbelievable love like bliss within love without just so profound and I thought this is stabilizing this is just the way it is mm. right but the strangest thing had happened the whole path had disappeared like I literally I could not remember anything from tantra Any I couldn't remember my mantra I couldn't remember anything. The whole—I mm, I wow. literally thought, "I will never teach again. I, if I teach again, it will only ever be in silence. There's never <laughs> a word I'll ever be able to say wow. that will—that will help." Um, and I don't even know—I can't remember any of it. And this, there was a strangest feeling of emptiness beneath the bliss. There was a little bit disconcerting, but I was so in bliss that it didn't really matter. But it almost felt artificial, like I'd taken copious amounts of MDMA or something and was having an experience that wasn't backed by wisdom. Mm. And this is a really important point because what ended up happening was with this rise of actual energy coming through my body and that and it started really like shaking things up and I started moving into so one day cast left and I went out and I laid in the back lounge and I didn't know what was going to happen and then kundalini started the body started shaking and then it started moving into consciousness and it was actually i asked myself the question actually this is what's sorry this is i'll backtrack this is what triggered the kundalini experience i asked myself the question what's the meaning of all this why have i been scared what's going on and then the shaking started and then this answer came through loud and clear and it says because you don't trust Hmm. and i said. I don't trust in what? And and that said you don't trust in, I say it said, I said it from somewhere but it was not coming from me, because you don't trust in divine order. Mm. And I thought, what do you mean I don't trust in divine order? This is everything I teach. This is all the mm. practices I do. But I realised at that moment I was like, what does that mean? If I don't trust in divine order... Mm then I literally don't trust that there's anything divine Mm. because if there is the divine, then there's divine order. Mm. They're one and the same thing. And at that moment, I got this flash through my whole life of the whole kind of, it was almost like a mandala, this whole intricate web of my life Mm. showing me how everything had happened for Mm. now. Mm. And so, of course, I'd just been delivered at verifiable visceral experience of Mm. what divine order was and again i just bawled wow and and that trust thing was at the heart of all of it because Mm. if i wasn't trusting that how could i trust that i was safe how could i trust that if i lent into it that i wouldn't go crazy how could i trust that these people that were telling me i was fine actually knew what they really knew what they were talking about and weren't just mistaking Mm. what was going on with me for being something else right and so that trust thing became a massive theme and then Really what began to happen, and this is what I came to realise later, this is my interpretation anyway, and, you know, this is, you know, it can be taken, might be taken a different way, but I don't think there's any such experience as awakening without moving through the darkness. Without, so, and or you don't even have to call it the darkness. That's probably just, that was the expression for me and for other people it would be nothing like that. But without moving through our shadow, Without actually, for me, all of this history stuff that started coming up, it was literally my karma. Hmm. That's what the web of karma is. The self is sitting back. It's never been damaged, but it's fully tied up and trapped in this web of karma. And that karma, you could say, is your memory, your conditioning, your past experiences, including all your traumas and all your things. And so what actually started happening is that... Cass would leave the house. It always happened in the morning. The nighttime was like frightening and it was almost like a, a softening up, a shaking up or a softening up and a readying me for something else. And I kind of started to trust that. And then in the morning she would leave and I'd lay in the sun and without doing anything the kundalini would come and I would literally go through entire timelines of my life with not, no effort Like what people report on plant medicines, when you're guided by Mm. spirit. So I was literally being guided by spirit. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I say, for instance, that one of the first ones was the timeline of my relationship with my father. But this time, instead of seeing it, I knew it all very well from my own victim state. But this time I got flipped around. I saw everything through his eyes. All the times I hurt him, all the times I pushed him away, all the damage I did in that kind of teenage thing of trying to push away that love Mm. and again I just cried these cleansing tears and I felt like that whole thing Mm. healed and it literally went like that through every major thing in my life Um, early early kind of teenage sexual confusion trauma shame all that sort of stuff whatever Mm. the key things were that I'd pushed down so deep that I didn't even know were there. And so I guess you could say that for years there was all this kind of spiritual bypassing going on. I wasn't doing it deliberately. It just wasn't being mm. – sh- that, that's why they call it the shadow.
0: Yeah, and I'll say that perhaps one can move through the shadow or the ego or the dark parts of themselves, or the rakshasas of themselves, the kind of negative energies – uh, in in different ways totally than kundalini awakening or intense experiences i think it doesn't have to necessarily be intense i can't say i i'm still got my egos in darkness like what could come for me in the future but when i look at for example my teachers i don't know their history maybe they have had something like this but i remember one of speaking to one of them about it and that it, it doesn't have to happen to everyone to reach certain stages of their evolution. I, I totally yeah.
1: 100% agree and I'm glad you said that because I don't mean to, I didn't mean it to come across like that but one way or another yeah, I or feel or another. that we have to see for that sure. stuff 100%. and so people can see it through therapy, they can see it through plant medicines, yeah. there's many ways and I think for me I think a lot of it got pushed down when I started meditating I think I just got so attracted to the the bliss and the comfort yeah. and the security of this new practice that I I kind of subconsciously pushed it down. Yeah. And I also believe that I was meant to go through this experience for whatever reason to share it, because that was another thing that when I asked on another time why this was happening, mm. it was because yeah. you're going to share it and, and to hold space for people that have gone through it. Um, I don't think, I think you're 100% right. It doesn't yeah. need to be hard. And the only reason it was hard for me, to be clear, is my resistance? Yeah. If I had not been trying to control, if I'd, I'd not been resisting it, the same thing could have happened, maybe on night one or two. Mm. Instead, it was on night whatever it was. You know, mm. it, it, there was so much resistance,
0: and not only hard but also intense. Like, for example, I think of another way. You know, you mentioned counselling, uh, plant medicine. There's also the banana treatment, which is mm. that works on that level, or some different ayurvedic treatments, a bunch of karmas where sure for some people it comes out as intense but some people it's kind of like just taking away without much of their awareness which is
1: totally and you know the experiences that i'm replaying in terms of these um the clearing of different timelines and aspects Mm. of my life were not intense they were actually so held in by spirit or so guided that there was no fear in that at all it was it was an inc- that incredible experience of detachment and being able to see it from your higher self and see how all of that happened for me and through me. Mm. So that was that was not the fear. The only fear in this whole experience was my resistance. That yeah. was it. Yeah. That was it. The experience was definitely intense, yeah. but intensity doesn't need to be frightening. Yeah. Many people have intense experiences without it being f- without it being frightening. It was just part of my karma. And part of that kind of web that I'm saying kind of began to disintegrate through the experience was this fear and need to control. And I was unaware. That was in the shadow. The, 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 the different ways that I was trying to manipulate and control life to feel safe was outside of the field of my awareness even with all of my practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Great.
1: So after that, um, after the timelines? So that continued on and then... I started having really profound dreams that were guiding me in what to do. And so I'm just going to kind of cut to the end of the story really because I could tell the story goes forever. Yeah, I've got
0: some things. But the
1: the kind of end of the story is that we have this friend who I was yet, she's a really dear friend now, but I was yet to meet and Cass had been doing some work with Kelly Phoenix Rose and she's um, an amazing shamanic healer and just powerful medicine woman. And I'd never met her, I don't think, at this stage. I hadn't met her in person. I'd seen bits on Instagram and things. And I had this dream one night where I was, it was kind of, it was basically an astral dream because I was in the state I was in, laying in the bed I was in, having the experience I was in, knowing all that, but I was asleep. And in the dream, Cass was um, attending to our puja table in, in the room and, she was kind of tidying up and Kelly was standing in the room underneath the stairs right where I did did my back. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at Cass kind of, Cass fussing around and stuff and then Cass was telling the story and then Kelly just kind of looked with this energy like that no more words needed to be said and she then she looked straight at me and with the most piercing eyes and she said, you've been preparing for this all along. And I... Kind of woke up from that dream just so with so much clarity and this mm. knowing that I had to go and see her mm. because I was, you know, I was starting to get in a really good state, but I, mm. I was not grounded. The herbs, that, um, and that had been prescribed from the Rajas were doing their work for certain and they were grounding me, and that was the like pre- arguably the biggest shift in the process was when those herbs arrived Mm. and I started doing all that but there was still healing work that needed to be Mm. done and so she booked me in to to see her in this space that she was working at in Newport and I had had immense resistance to that because I did not want to be in general in the public I hadn't been out of my Mm. house and then anyway she felt into it and she actually lived in a property out in Dural at the time and she said no it's not going to happen there you're going to come out to my property and So anyway, a couple of weeks went by and then she said, it's gonna be this Sunday. And so I woke up that morning and we drove out there and I was feeling really good, really good. And then as we started, it's kind of like this road that winds up to a house and I felt like I was kind of going up the belly of a snake. And I could feel the energy of, I could feel her pulling Mm. me in. Mm. And I started going into a very altered state again. A little bit of fear, but just more, just a very, very altered state. And I thought, all right, this is the the work's already beginning. I'm coming to this space, and um, this is a whole. I could like tell another hour story in this, so I'm just going to try and keep the <laughs> key points. I got but, out yeah, of the I've, cup- had,
0: I've had goosebumps twice when you've mentioned her. When when she looked at you, I just got this shivering goosebumps, and then again going up the hill, her pulling you in. Yeah, I've still
1: I've got them speaking. <laughs> um, you're sitting under underneath a black cockatoo picture that was painted for by one of our dear friends Lisa the point for us after a whole series of events that have happened in Castle, my life around black cockatoos it's mm-hmm. like a real spirit bird for us mm-hmm. um, i got out of that car black cockatoos mm-hmm. circling above our car i was like
0: Ooh, wow. wow and then
1: i and she was i didn't see her but i felt where she was and she was down in this teepee away from her house I was down this muddy hill It had been raining a lot. I was in my like, Ugg boots. My disc in my back was still done. I started walking down this hill and I was trying to like, trying to, like <laughs> be cool. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool here, man. Don't freak out, it was all good. I slipped over, like literally fell oh. over, fell down the hill. I was like,
0: Oh no. pop
1: back up somehow. <laughs> like as I fell, popped back up, slid down like surfing down this hill <laughs> and then like ended up right near her. No back, like my back should have been like in agony. It didn't hurt she turned she stood at the front of this teepee she looked into my eyes and it was the exact oh, wow. same thing from my dream like mm. full and i just went into a total altered state wow. she hugged me i thought i was pretty stable till she hugged me and i could feel what she was feeling and it was i could feel how unstable i was mm. like you know when you like i was hugging someone so grounded and i was i could feel my energy like i might mm. not grounded at all she sat me down, she did this ceremony and there was a lot, lot of ego resistance actually because I was sitting in agony. I was, she had me sitting up and I'm like, what the hell, she knows I've done a disc in my back. Why is she sitting me up? And then I was like, she said, is this is a shamanic thing, trust, just trust, It was that big thing of trust again. Mm. She eventually laid me down and we we went through this whole journey. I started telling her about those past experiences that I'd mentioned to you and we landed on the one that happened just before, not just before, like. 20 years before the one I told you. Like, so I'd had these experiences mm-hmm. like three times or four times. And as soon as we hit that, she knew we were in the space. Mm. And then she asked me a couple of type questions. And then she said, um, When was the first time you felt unsafe or something? And I just, I instantly went back to this period in my life that was around about 13. Like, up until then, I just felt totally grounded in my body, total just in a kind of blissful childhood life and then a lot of changes happened. And at that point, we were laying down and uh, I was laying down in a teepee. She was doing shamanic work above me. And when I said that age, there wasn't even any like storm around. The whole TP, like, sh- like the th- a thunderclap like I've never heard, mm. like literally shook the whole ground. And she just smiled and started doing, like, all this bet that she just knew were in it. Wow. Afterwards, Cass said to me, what the hell were you two doing when that thunder hit? She said there was no clouds. She was sitting <laughs> on the deck of a house. She said wow. all the horses bolted, all the animals bolted, everything ran away. But it's just, like, kind of, I don't know. I mean, just this nature was, like, fully involved in wow. that experience. And um anyway, from that point, she she kind of... Like, really intuitively got me back to the because I thought I'd looked at everything, I thought everything had come through me, but there was this one key thing mm. that happened, and really it was this kind of point in my life where I'd stopped trusting myself and I started morphing into being a people pleaser. And she said to me, How do you think that little boy feels since you abandoned him? And it was, I'd never. Nothing had ever struck me so much in my heart. Like it was Mm, really mm. profound what she said. And she said, I want you to say to him, like I want you to tell him something, tell tell him how you feel now. And it was so funny because I I felt like a bad actor. Like I was like, "Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I love you. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. And I was saying all these things and then this voice came from really deep within Mm. this whisper that was from somewhere beyond me and it said, I trust you. And as soon as that happened, she didn't say another word and this whole kind of healing happened. In the end, she said to me, I want you to put that boy somewhere safe inside you, which was instantly in my heart, which was the space where I was feeling very unstable. And as soon as that landed in there, I felt myself, I felt everything ground and the love kind of really ground. And then she said to me, and what you whispered is going to be your mantra whenever these experiences come on I want you to say to him Mm. I trust you so this is the end of the story I got home that night and I was like really in deep deep bliss and I thought you know everything's fine everything's amazing I'm fully like I know what's going on but again this bloody (laughs) sleep thing Mm. was around about midnight and I couldn't sleep and I was starting to feel a bit agitated and that a little bit of fear was coming in but it must have been about midnight and I'd finally drifted off to sleep and I had this dream I'd been dumped up around the corner from my house and I was it was freezing cold the ground had frozen there was snow around and I was dressed barefoot in shorts and a t-shirt and I had to make my way home and I started going down this hill and I started sliding out of control, sliding out of control. So I crawled on my hands and knees. So I've got to go the other way. It's flatter that way. Walked along that road and I hit another bit of ice. And I st- as I started, I went down into all fours. And as I started sliding, I started going into that state that I'd been going into, that darkness. And I could feel myself, everything going and i was grabbing onto the robe it was like i was going into a vortex a hole and as i looked up there was these identical twins the same age that i'd said 13 years old boy and girl completely see-through like spirit with like this afro hair like i had when i was a kid like this curly Mm -hmm. white hair my hair wasn't white it's white now um boy and girl brother and sister Mm. and the the brother was terrified of what I was of me thinking I was crazy and he was trying to get the sister to not see me and I as I was like falling into this hole I screamed out to them and I said it's okay you can and I woke bold up right mm. and said trust me
0: and as mm. I said
1: that this voice from higher along with further along long timeline whispered to me like I whispered it to that 13 year old to me now and said I trust you mm. and it was like this incredible thing where it just went through the, my whole timeline from somewhere else up, like in the future or a higher state to me now back to that 13-year-old boy and then the whole thing felt healed. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, I was like fully grounded.
0: <sighs> Amazing. Right, let's just like wanna, right now... um my gratitude for you sharing. This is so profound, and for you to open up and and share with people. And this is like a huge thing for your personal life and your personal evolution. And it's very, very um <laughs> trusting of you to share this because we've talked about, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. About I had this idea of doing a podcast and interviewing different people's experience, and you know, you had some resistance, some uncertainty about it. Mm. I just want to yeah really appreciate it and thank thank you, Dylan. Yeah, I think
1: it's it's a really important subject, and I really hope that as people listen to me, that there's it doesn't induce any fear because it's honestly the fear is in the unknown, the surrender to the unknown. There's nothing ever but bliss. Mm. There's nothing ever but bliss. But I I feel like these. because people c- can really mistake kundalini to be a frightening thing and it's a massive misunderstanding because what we're experiencing is not the kundalini. The kundalini is not to be feared, but what we end up experiencing sometimes, what I experienced was a heightened release of of past traumas and and mm. karma. Mm. It wasn't... That's not kundalini. That's like the hose that's been blocked yeah. up with mud and you turn the hose on expecting water and mud comes out the water comes after Mm. the mud clears and so all that stuff was mind-made ego stuff that the actual experience is nothing to be feared and i would never i mean i would never trade that experience for anything
0: yeah i just want to add um before i kind of i just want to briefly talk about post like where you are today Mm. but before that i want to add you mentioned to have a buddy in this and also really to have a guru or a mentor, and you were talking, you referenced Anandji, your guru many mm. times, guru in Sanskrit means heavy. And the role of the guru is to act like heavyweight, to a stabilizer, especially in situations like this when the shisho and the pupil is experiencing a lot of space and air element. They're mm. experiencing a lot of subtle, not so much gross. They're experiencing this very up in the air and the guru plays that role of stabilizing and mm. being like that, that anchor for the shisha or the, the student to be anchored in being. So now, and just very briefly, like now, kind of like, I mean, obviously it's never like how it was before, but reasonably back to quote unquote normal, right?
1: I think all states stabilize. So it's, yeah. I just feel like myself. Yes. I feel that I feel like myself looking through a clear. Perception, rather than through the the lens of of um, so much the web of karma and and yeah, right. um those sorts of things. So I think that the for me, you know, obviously the process of awakening is just an ongoing thing, yeah. and and I'm certainly stabilized somewhere way short of those peak experiences. And actually, for that, I'm really grateful because all things in their time, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, some of those experiences were beyond. A state you could very reasonably be in in the in normal life,
0: and you can get to those state or be in those those experiences and stages of consciousness without it being overwhelming. Totally. Like in every day, like for example, like when I I've, I've seen I'm seeing you now for the first time in, but well, since then, mm. right in person, I haven't seen you for probably a year or so mm. in person, and like. You know, it's not like I notice in you a huge radical new Marcus, like yeah. a brand new. You're like still at the same house with the same family doing mm-hmm. the same stuff. I can definitely see from yesterday we did a lecture together where you interviewed me, like, which I loved you interviewing me and your knowledge and input. I can definitely see that, um, that positive effect. And um, I want my question around that was how much like do you feel you really let a big weight off yeah. cuz like you've got rid of a lot of karma yeah. and you you can feel like it's oh. a
1: huge shift a yeah. huge huge shift of course and then there's you know then i think with a lot of these things too it's it's not necessarily linear and yeah. so the <laughs> process has continued mm. for certain there's yes. been there's like whole other stories that i could tell that are, are mm. that are around deeper healings, deeper awakenings of the heart and different things. And so it's ongoing. And I feel this is the thing, right? You know, the, the Buddha says that uh, enlightenment is not the end, it's the beginning, right? I think that part of these experiences, I think, is to realize that these states, these whatever you, whatever you call it, these like increasing states of awakening, they're not abnormal. They're everything short of of getting rid of our past Traumas and shadow stuff is abnormal. It's like when you took it, Ayurveda, right? Like health mm. is a normal state, you know, where mm-hmm. it's become normalized to live from trauma and to live yeah. from all these things. But as this stuff, you know, increasingly unravels, and it's kind of like for me, it's I visualize it's like pulling a thread. And because it's all interrelated, it's all mm. this conditioning and this web of karma that's interrelated, that thread goes and the whole thing starts to unravel. Mm. And so um, life becomes not abnormal but normal. Yeah. And that was perhaps the biggest realisation for me that I just feel more myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I don't yeah. feel yeah, like... Yeah, totally. I, and I think part of the fear is that I wouldn't be myself. Like part of the fear was like, well, what the hell are people going to think if I'm in this mm. unity state? Because some of those experiences were going so far into that. it's was like I thought there would be no self. This is such a misunderstanding yeah. because the self... The self is what we are. Mm. We are that consciousness, and that self is unique. That soul is unique. It's not the ego story that's unique. The ego story is actually super predictable yeah, yeah. and super similar across <laughs> yes. most people. Yeah. The unique self is beneath that, and, the, and that, and so I think you. I don't feel different i feel just more of myself yeah
0: i love it perfect and i love the vertical time as well the non-linear time so thanks marcus your uh meditation and yoga collective which you and your wife run is called the Sat for life so yes. if you want to check that out you do online stuff as well we right? do yeah so yep. online in person in sydney northern beaches um and if you want to connect with me to have ayurvedic support throughout if you experience anything or know anyone with the herbs and with the practices for the body you can, you can reach out to vital veda for consultation and say the shaman's uh, name one more time
1: kelly phoenix rose I'm
0: sure many people are intrigued to explore her i am yeah,
1: she's a, she's a phenomenal yeah. woman and i want to just say as well dylan um, i want to express my gratitude when we're talking about the guru and the one to help mm. ground us in this state because Having your support was really fundamental, so I'd highly recommend mm-hmm. if anyone's going through <laughs> these sorts of experience to reach out to Dylan because there was really nothing quite like having you and Dr. Raju supporting me. it made me it, it was a massive turning point. In and my that's journey. why I
0: knew like like um, for now'll start you on some things, but we definitely need this this was in a strong one we need mm-hmm. Dr. Adgens yeah I think that. Week or couple weeks, we had a f- like a, a couple people at least extra in addition to you have kundalini experiences and so. And by the way, like in my personal practice, out of probably the oh, I'm, the patients I've I don't know I haven't counted how many patients, but maybe around a thousand. I don't know if I've if hit a thousand yet. Less than I can count on my hands that I've known on both of my hands. So under ten people that I know, um, yeah, who have had kind of this level of intensity. Mm-hmm. It's it's Definitely from my experience, which is my limited, very short career, it's, it's, it's rare mm. without a doubt. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Dylan. Anything else you want yeah. to mention? Great. <laughs> Thank you for listening. So, one more thing Marcus told me a couple of weeks later when I saw him in person he goes, Dylan, I forgot to share the most important thing that helped me. And that was japa. And japa is a repetition of mantra and specific mantras to enliven specific energies and typically done with a with a mala bead or a japa mala which is a, a necklace of beads, a garland of beads which you use to count the mantras and that allowed him to preoccupy his mind and his energy onto those mantras which were given by his teacher. So we've done a whole podcast episode on japa with Swami Purna Chaitanya, you can check that out and japa and the science of mantra and the science of sound so if you want to check more about marcus and see what he does you can check out the sattva life Uh, if you want to book a consultation with me to enhance your health in whatever way whether it's spiritual health physical health mental health emotional health you can go to vitalveda.com.au forward slash bookings my intention when working with clients is to make you self-sufficient in balancing your physiology so to give you the principles the techniques getting to know yourself and then moving forward, you know, maybe it's some top-ups, follow-up consultations, but predominantly it's making you self-sufficient in your health. And if you enjoyed this, please leave a review. We really appreciate it. Please share on Instagram story. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've had similar experiences. Hey, I'm I'm open to interview more people. If you've had it, if you know someone who's had radical Kundalini awakening experiences, email media at vitalveta.com.au And... Stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast to hear more episodes on the topic. And until then, my friend, much love.